Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Cast Dice, a podcast that explores the the greater world of gaming and you know, games that my or my guests are particularly interested in playing. Uh, my name is Old Man Morn, and I, I guess I helm the ship, um, and joining me each episode are people from around the world, uh, friends, uh, authors, and just people who are interested in gaming, uh, and we talk about either a game or an aspect of gaming, and when I say gaming, of course, I mean some kind of tabletop war game or tabletop game in general, be it a board game, uh, be it possibly a role-playing game, um, we haven't ruled that out, uh, but, you know, gaming in general. Now, uh, I'm trying to keep these introductions short and get on with the show. My guest tonight is, if you are at all familiar with Bolt Action on Facebook, uh, if you're members of groups, you will see this man posting. Uh, he's very a very prolific uh, co- uh, you know, commenter on people's threads. Um, he posts many things himself. And he is an active uh, and longstanding member of the Bolt Action Alliance. Uh, if you've seen those uh, memes and videos of the panda cheese, where the panda sort of stares at people and then throws things on the ground, um, but is very, you know, calm and quiet, um, I'm not saying he does that. In fact, he's probably the nicest guy ever, but his picture's a bear. And so whenever I see the bear, <laughs> I think of those ads. Seamus, from the, from yes. the, the, the cold, icy winds of Chicago. How it are is. things? It's good, man. Um, it is. It is cold and icy. Not as cold as it has been, but uh, uh, yeah, we had we had one day where it was in the a decent temperature, and you could go around without a scarf and hat. But we're back to freezing and snow and ice again. So, kind of a bummer, but I guess it's a fact of life. I'll take that over the balmy temperatures you guys got down there. Well, brother, it's going to be, uh, I'm in shorts and a tank top, and I'm not saying that to brag. I'm actually sweating fairly profusely at the moment, and I like nice. heat. So nice. um, I will take where I am over where you are, only because I grew up in Boston, and I know the snow. Yes. Uh, yeah. The day I moved down to my parents' house, they bought a snowblower, and uh, I'm a little bitter that they didn't have that, so I could have <laughs> used it, but anyway. I'm staring at my snow shovel leaning up against the wall. I feel your pain. Yeah. Well, my parents, because when I was a kid, our our driveway was gravel. Um, You know, I I guess. Yeah. So you couldn't you couldn't use a snowblower on that. But my parents, when I went off to university uh, that summer, they literally had the driveways done uh, in cement and then they got a snowblower. And I was just like, yeah, because shoveling gravel driveways when there's like a foot of snow. No. Forget about it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we are not here to talk shoveling strategies. We are here to talk about, well, bolt action. Uh, It's been a little while. Um, Some people uh, have commented that, uh, and I won't name names, but quite a few friends have said, oh, it's good to see you playing bolt action again. And I kind of thought I never stopped playing bolt action. I guess I've been playing Conflict 47, um, which in my mind... (laughs) equals bolt action. But as I've said, I guess, in recent podcasts, how much I enjoy Conflict 47 and the new rules that were brought out in um, the Resurgence book. So we kind of have Conflict 47 version 2. But it is a different animal from bolt action version 2. And on the weekend, I got together with some uh, some local friends, uh, the old Muddy, who's been on on the Polish episode, uh, Lee Avery, who was on 
before to oh I can't think of what he was on to talk about, uh, but he will be on again to talk Market Garden and British paratroops nice. very soon. Can't wait. As soon as that book arrives, that conversation will be happening. Uh, and got together with my our old friend Dan, and we set up some tables and we played some games. Uh, and I brought out the Chinese, and we'll talk about those games in a minute. But it really did draw an underline for me, having played so much Conflict 47 recently, just how similar and just how different bolt action is now from, the I guess, its offspring, Conflict 47. Um, I mean, at the base of mechanics, they are very, very, almost identical. They're very similar. But there are noticeable differences, uh, especially in the way that hand-to-hand combat is resolved. And um, I definitely like both. Um, I've been saying how much I like Conflict 47, uh, and I do. I love it. I also love bolt action. And it's just... Oh, it's it's interesting. Anyway, it occurred to me that we haven't done a bolt action episode in a while, and uh, I think you and I have quite a bit to talk about today. So yes. um, let's. I I I know the Ghost Army podcast is uh, not currently recording. Um, I'm not saying whether or not it won't be back. I'm hoping it will. Uh, however, uh, I wanted to make sure you had a microphone and we had some time. So. Let me stop talking, and let's talk about something that you were talking about, you and I were talking about off-air, and that was, you have been looking at... Well, do you want to talk about your event first? Sorry. I'm jumping ahead in yeah. my notes. Let's talk Let's talk event, because you're running a bolt-action event this weekend. I am. So, anybody who kind of follows the Australia-New Zealand group, which uh, is arguably one of the best groups I've seen uh, internationally... Uh, you know, there's been a lot of uh, uh, Team de Gaulle and Team Rommel and mm-hmm. Team Workers and Peasants. And, you know, everybody's trying to really push this early war thing. Uh, and I think that's one of the gr- one of the great things going in the international community right now. Uh, this will be my second early war themed bolt action event. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started doing that because, uh, at least in my area... You know, uh, the early war was not as common a theme, but I feel a lot of the things that uh, people fall back on, you know, this, the stereotypical late war lists, uh, if you eliminate that by going with a theme, with an early war theme, it really actually changes up the forces that you see on the table. Uh, it, all, it gives people a chance to play units that they might not normally play because of what they're fearing from another late war list. Uh, it lets you use a little bit different tactics. Like um, one of the neat things about early war lists is you see a little more inexperienced squads. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially with the French, they do it. They do it quite well in the early war list. Um, Soviets do everything well, but <laughs> yeah. um, you know, you get uh, the last event that I ran. I had two players playing Polish, and uh, one of them. Um, it basically ran ran riot in the event and uh the allies and this was this was first edition i should say that the first edition but the allies totally steamrolled the axis it was like 200 something points to 87 points total between all the players it was it was an absolute massacre wow. so yeah i'm really excited to see it again now this is the first time i'm running it in second edition so uh, with sort of the leg up that the Axis forces have gotten, I'm curious to see how it all plays out. But uh, again, I just I like doing a themed event because it it allows people 
to fit into it, it's not their normal comfort zone but it's mm-hmm. a comfort zone that some of them want to be in and they get to do different things so um that to me is really exciting yeah definitely and just to just for some of our international listeners um which is ironic because i of course am international as well um mm-hmm. you are situated in chicago now to put that yes. into context you live in the place you live in the home of adepticon um, and yes. so, you know, a lot of the the eyes on the big U.S. tournament um, being at Adepticon, um, you would have a lot of people locally that would play in that. Um, I know yeah. from from lots of events over the years, uh, those those big events tend to have lots of local players, usually because it's easy for people to get to it. So you would see a lot of the quote unquote meta. And the meta in the U.S. is is different from the meta in the U.K. Uh, and there's metas within the U.S. and within the U.K. and within Australia that are different, you know, depending on the places. What what goes in Melbourne is different from what goes in Queensland. It, it's that simple. Um, yeah. So what when you're talking about really trying to mix it up and change what you're seeing on the tabletop, um, you really do see some of the the trends um, being based where you are. Um, also, you yeah. also know a lot of the folks that go over to LVO. So you're kind of, uh, that's the Las Vegas Open. So you seem to know a lot about the big shows, so to speak. Um, would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I actually, uh, one of the neat things about being part of this this Chicago Bolt Action scene is there's a couple of us uh, that TO, I think we have really five events throughout the year of varying scale and the TOs of those events, we communicate regularly and we all try to keep in, in sync with each other, you know, as far as, um, you know, changes that we want to do or, you know, who's going to theme their event, who's going to run an open event and things like that. So um, I, I've had sort of an insider's view to what's coming up with Adepticon as well. Um, and it's actually kind of funny you mentioned that because, you know, where you've got my end of the spectrum, a, a smaller event, uh, themed a uh, little bit left of center as far as what you see typically. Um, I'm actually starting to see a trend with Adepticon going towards uh, what would, and, and again, I want to preface by saying calling a list like uh, cheesy or or powerful or things like that is entirely subjective. If you ask 10 bolt action players what they think is cheesy in a list, they're, you're going to get 15 different answers. So, if not more, yep. Yeah, exactly. So it's a very subjective uh, idea, but you know we're starting to see more of these um, lists, like you'd see, you know, four Soviet heavy howitzers and snipers and inexperienced hordes, or mm-hmm. uh, the typical like, uh, you know, oh look, it's another Falschermeger list with lots of assault rifles, Panzerfausts, and a Panzer IV. Mm-hmm. Um, in the open events where it is a little more competitive, like Adepticon, we're starting to see that trend. Um, but like, uh, the other two, uh, events that I really help out with a lot, we're doing the themed events and, um, we're seeing a lot of people doing different lists with those and, and having fun doing it. So, uh, it, it's great to be in this area and see these different events and the different lists that same players will bring to each of them. It's, it's, it's fascinating. Hmm. Well, let's, 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 let's put a cork in the competition side of it for a second because I really want to talk to you about how you're theming events but I definitely want to go back to that if that's all right um, yeah 
All right, cool. So when you are talking about your themes, let's talk numbers. What kind of event sizes are you talking um, for your... May I know Adepticon has huge numbers because people come to Adepticon for huge numbers of games. Um, and it yes. just, it's, it's a spectacle. People come to play, to, to visit, to, to make and to see, to make new friends and to see old friends. Um, yeah. and, and they may come for the game. They may come for the, the big open event. Um, but they're also more likely to go to eat good food, drink good drink and, you know, have a good time. Um, well, wait, 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 I, I gotta say though, the food at the hotel that, uh, that Adepticon has held at is not very good. Oh, really? It's, it's, oh, it is not very good at all. It's 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 not good. There's a lot of good restaurants nearby there, uh, which anybody who ever comes to Chicagoland, I highly recommend Kuma's Corner. It's a gourmet burger joint that plays heavy metal the whole time you're there. It's nice. got a craft beer list, yeah. So the after party is always fun, but... Yeah, uh, Adepticon is just epic in proportions. You know, I think this year we've got we've got a Mega Kursk tank battles game and a Combat Patrol Thursday night. We've got a doubles tournament Friday, and then we've got nationals on Saturday. So even just in that one weekend, you've got multiple versions of Bolt Action that you could play. There's a Conflict Forty Seven event going as well. Nice. So it's uh, yeah, which. And, and I have to say, at something like Adepticon, um, you know, we've kind of talked about it on other casts and stuff, but this is like the golden age of miniatures gaming. Oh, like, yeah. You know, you go to Adepticon and you're like, you know, I'm like, man, I am I am all about bolt action and Frostgrave. Oh, and there's Team Yankee. And then, you know, we've got other guys, you know, we've got the new Saga edition coming out. You've got... Uh, uh, Firelock Games has a real strong presence with their blood and plunder there. You know, it's just... Mm -hmm. It's almost overwhelming to a point, but uh, yeah, bolt action for me is is obviously the the biggest draw. Yeah, I know a lot of people are talking about um, actually there being a Star Wars Legion event. Uh, I know there was talk of oh. that, especially given that the game isn't out yet and people are already signing up for events and you know talking about the demo booth and you know what product will be available and it just go. Well, you know, it would be uh, you would assume that for a, an event like that, um, you know, Fantasy Flight would pull out, you know, some big stops. But, you know, we'll, we'll just have to see. Uh, of course, 40K is always a huge event for Adepticon. Yes. Um, yes. And yeah, uh, I uh, God, I have to say I only had good experiences with food. I only have been to Chicago, embarrassingly, to play in uh, 40K Grand Tournaments back when GW ran them uh, way back when. Nice. And I may not have really left with the hotels uh, and the restaurants that I was driven to. So I, ooh, but the food was good and the, 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 nice. the company was excellent. Anyway, moving on. Yes. Um, yes. So what kind of local numbers do you get for your events? Um, big spectacle events aside. We, uh, it depends on the scale. Uh, mine, I usually try to keep a little on the small side. Mm -hmm. So uh, I've got 12 spots in my event. Um, and, I, and, and I obviously try to keep it right on blue because that just makes it more fun. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Adepticon is huge numbers across different styles of games. And then we've got, um, I, li I like to call Adepticon one bookend in our gaming season. And then we've got... Uh, Operation Sting in November, and that's like the other bookend, mm -hmm. and that has 30 players, um, and that usually has a wait list. 
Wow. You know, I mean, we're not talking CanCon or Cambridge too far or anything numbers, but, um, you know, we we found that that number is really good for guys getting in a good sized game and getting to talk to all these people. Like we've been doing it for a couple of years now. So, um, you get that camaraderie and the scale of it. So I would say 30 is kind of the big end. And then, um, like my event and there's another smaller one called Dragonfall that we do. That's kind of like 12 ish players on average. Nice. And I think that's a good setting. I think it's, it's not, it's not bad. Agreed. Yeah, no, I mean, 30 is hardly any number to sneeze at. Um, 30 players means that you are going to get a nice spread of lists. You're going to get a nice spread of, um, you know, players, um, the kind of people who come to play at event. Uh, and, you know, if you want to play maybe a more competitive game, you're probably you're more likely to get, you know, some people who are going to give you that. If you also want to play, you know, quote unquote for funsies or you want to play a friendly, more relaxed game, you're more likely to find that as well. So. Exactly. Um, yeah, I, I I think thirty is a is a perfect number. And personally, I like running events that are around you know ten to fourteen players um, because you it gives you an opportunity to get a little bit of that spread. But it's also a nice intimate environment where people you know it builds community. It's a nice time for people to joke and really everyone knows everyone else. It's a good time. Exactly. Now, exactly. How do you say, when you say you're running an early war event? I guess my question for you is. Um, how do you do that? Um, do you say, look, we ask you to use a theater selector or we ask you to do some historical research and to submit a list where things um, are only from particular periods of time? Um, I mean, given that Americans arguably didn't come into the war until almost mid-war um, and then, you know, the Japanese had been fighting since, you know, the 30s, um, how do you sort of... How do you make that happen? Because I know in Flames of War, there was particular armies you could buy for early war, for mid-war, for late war. Bolt action was intentionally built not around that. Um, yeah. But of course, we have theater selectors, but some people don't necessarily like those. So how do you do it? Well, one of the things that actually drove me to do early war in the first place was to exclude American lists. Uh, you know, in, in Bolt Action First Edition, mm. I think, uh, at least in our area, Americans was one of the most common. So uh, what I did is I looked through the theater selectors and I, and I actually published a list and I said, buy, buy, buy book. These are the lists that you can use. Mm-hmm. Um, I focus it specifically on Europe. So when I say early war, I don't even include, you know, um, China or some of the early activities that Japan was doing. Uh, none of that. I say 1939 from the moment Germany walked into Poland to right before Stalingrad. Um, and the only reason I do that is because I kind of want to avoid uh, uh, that opportunity. Because theater selectors are, are great, but they're by no means flawless. They um, They sometimes exclude units that shouldn't be excluded and include units that shouldn't but they're as easy to abuse as an open list. So um, Stalingrad is one that is, is, is actually a pretty well-themed list, but there's a lot of options in there that you can take that just, I, I don't know, might like steamroll uh, another player. So mm. uh, that's, what, that's what I tell my players is, you know, here's a list of, of theater selectors I'm allowing from September 1st through to just before Stalingrad in Europe. 
Um, right. Well, it really does come down to a mentality. I think something you said, I want yeah. to quickly draw an underline uh, on that. And one of the things I, I guess we really wanted to talk about today is when you are listing, it really does come down to your mentality. Um, yeah. And as you say, you can ask 15 different people or 10 different people and get 15 different answers about what mm-hmm. someone might deem as um, maybe a hard list or something that they wouldn't necessarily find enjoyable or reasonable to see across a table. Um, and everyone's got a different opinion. Um, and uh, I know that the theater selectors are often much maligned um, by some players, uh, particularly event players. There's a couple, um, CeeLo Heights is one that allows for two mm-hmm. tanks. And some people um, don't think that that can lead to a, a well-rounded game. Um Conversely, I, yeah. Go ahead. One list that I one list that I do allow for my early war event is from the Germany Strikes book. It's the Kampfgruppe Pellengar list that does allow two tanks. Mm. One of them has to be a Neubautfahrzeug, and the other one has to be a Panzer II. So it allows two tanks, but you're not going to ruin anyone's day with either of those two tanks. Right. Exactly. Um, I, again, I think it comes down to that mentality. Um, I've also had the worst games of bolt action I've ever played uh, against open lists, uh, and they weren't <laughs> they weren't theater selectors. Uh, I can think of at least three or four off the top of my head that were, in my opinion, um, just made to ruin not ruin your opponent's day. I don't think, I mean, realistically, I don't think anyone goes out of their way to do that. And I say right. that uh, not even exaggerating. I mean, no one really goes out. I'm gonna go ruin somebody's day today. Muahaha! <laughs> like that's not a thing. Um, right. But some, right. I mean, it's, it's that, I guess, wanting to win or not even wanting to win. Um, some people, and I know I'm guilty of this, don't necessarily, they don't want to bring a knife to a gunfight. Um, especially right. if you're not familiar with the meta, especially if you're not familiar with what might show up in a particular event. Um, it's only natural to err on the side of, Maybe I can bring something a little harder, and if it's you know if I, if I overshoot the margin a little bit, well then I can just not play so aggressive, and you know I can make it fun for my opponent. Um, yeah. And yes, I'm sure um, you probably could, and I I know I've thought that before, uh, but uh, sometimes. <laughs> Mm. Uh, you, just putting something down on the table can cause uh, your opponent stress. Now, tournament organizers often find ways around this, um, usually with a resubmission thing where you say, look, I think maybe your list is a little harder than what we're expecting um, here. Uh, maybe you could submit a different list um, that may be similar but won't be, you know, maybe as aggressive. Um yeah. I don't, I don't know. How, how do you... Because that, that's how it's done in Australia. And I did talk to a few tournament organizers recently, uh, one of whom was Peter West uh, for CanCon. Uh, and he talked about... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he talked about how sometimes he sees a list and he says, look, um, you know, I appreciate what you're bringing to the table. Uh, and, you know, you go about it nicely and you say, look, this, this may not fit what the event is, the spirit of the event. Maybe you should maybe take rid of you know you give someone some feedback uh about maybe right. what it is that you find hard um is that how you go about it with your events or do you not even run into that given that you're trying to run early war now one of the events that i played one of the games i played that i found really unpleasant was against an early war list 
But again, it went around the mentality of what someone was trying to do with that list. Um, right. What do you think? So, it, and and that's actually one of the hardest things to do as a TO is having to tell somebody that their their list might be a little overpowered because, you know, kind of like we talked about earlier, you know, the player may not see that at all. You know, I've been guilty of it. I, I tend to take pretty boring lists, but, you know, I've had guys tell me it's like, geez, Seamus, that's kind of aggressive. So it's all about the perception of it, but um, I'm really lucky in that most of the guys in my group know that having a, a page or two write-up of the unit history, for me as a TO, is as important as having a good list on the table because they know that I'm really driving a theme and sort of like learning the history of it and things. Um, so I do vet lists, uh, you know, and I'll challenge people. It's like, well, why why do you have... Uh, why do you have an all regular list, but your teams are veteran, mm -hmm. you know, because to me that could be interpreted as you're making them veteran to give them a little more survivability of small teams, but, uh, or the, the opposite, if you've got an all veteran force, why do you have an inexperienced mortar team, things like that. Yeah. So I usually give them the option and if they can describe to me why they're doing it and if it's a legit reason, then yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely approve the list. Um, I have I've, I've, I've I think I've only once had to really flat out turn down a list, uh, and I felt bad about it. But um, you know, it as a TO, you have to think of you have to try and think of everybody. Like there mm -hmm. are guys who play bolt action to win. There are guys who play bolt action because they dig World War II history and they want to push little army men around the table. And you got to try and find a happy medium. So. Yeah, strong vetting of lists and just, you know, over time encouraging the players to say, look, we're not doing, we're not going hardcore here. Uh, you know, go for the history, go for the theme. So I award a lot of theme points um, and things like that just to sort of reward players for focusing on that versus what's the best list I can throw on the table. Yeah, agreed. Um, as a player, um, who's been playing war games for a very, very long time, um, and who started out, um, in the U S, um, grand tournament circuit. I mean, I played a few competitive games in events before that. Um, but I went to the first Baltimore 40 K grand tournament. Um, and then I went to every one after that until I left the United States when I wasn't a GW staff member. Um, I also ended up going to tons of other um, grand tournaments as they started to spread across the country. And um, when I came to Australia, I continued to play competitively and I joined a club. I've had several of my club mates on recently. Um, we were the Golden mm -hmm. D6. Um, we got together and we would get together weekly and we would set up, um, we would set up tables, we would set up armies and we would it was like clockwork. We'd start playing. And then the second one of us felt like the other one, you know, had us, we would re-rack and play again and re-rack and play again. And you would, or right. you would fight it out and see if you could pull it off. Um, and you'd play to the mission. And it was always this. But as you played, it was this commentary across the way. And it, and it be, I became a very competitive player. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't the club's fault. Um, Though the members of the club were competitive, um, none of us, I don't think, were jerks. Um, we often won Best Sports Awards, um, and 
you know, had a good time, but, um, man, I was playing the meta because at that point you, yes, sportsmanship was a score you were shooting for, but so was composition. And so you were playing the, Mm -hmm. like, I'm going to make the hardest list possible that gets me the most comp points. Um, and so bolt action events don't tend to have comp scores. And so, you know, grading players on this is acceptable. This isn't, um, especially given people's opinions, um, starts to get I mean, as you said, super subjective. Um, yeah. And I know that that led to me, um, me as a pedantic person. I'm going somewhere with this. I'm not just rambling, guys. Sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, and I will t- hand this to Seamus in a minute. Um, I So I started, I started to win a lot of events, um, and I mean big ones. Um, I won the largest 40K tournament uh, in the Southern Hemisphere twice, and I don't say that to brag. Um, I say that to just say that I, you know, I, I, I played to win. Um, and then I went to the first ever Australian masters event and I had the worst weekend of my life. It was, well, not the worst weekend, but it was for gaming. It was one of the worst experiences I've ever had. And I really came away from that saying, I don't want to play this anymore. This isn't fun. Like people are taking this too seriously. I didn't sleep for days before, if not a week before events. I definitely didn't sleep during event weekends. Um, It was affecting my relationships. um, And I spent thousands of dollars on constantly buying new armies. I would buy a new army, I would paint it, um, and then I would sell it and buy another one. And so I was constantly keeping up with, if not staying ahead of the meta. Um, And... I I had a very strong reaction when I came to bolt action um, because I did I I violently did not want that experience to come to this game um, and right. Australia's got a very um, a very friendly um, welcoming uh, culture as far as the bolt action community um, you said it yourself the bolt action Australia New Zealand page. Uh, is just a fantastic resource for bolt action players. Yeah, it is. Um, just lots of great conversation happens there. Guys, if you're listening to this and you're not a member of that particular Facebook group, add yourself. Um, sure, you'll see some comments about events that are happening that you won't be a part of um, if you live in another part of the world. But man, the the just the quality is great. Um, well, and, and sorry, Peter yeah. West seems to have like some sort of crazy insider knowledge of product releases yes like i always see him sharing hey coming soon from such and such and you search for it and you can't find it anywhere else it's like peter where do you find these things yeah exactly the man he's he's amazing um hi pete i i know he's listening. yeah um that's he keeps track of everything man's got his finger in all the pies now um but i i i guess i got i took it personally and as someone who was a TO of a lot of early bolt action events um, when the game was new um, and who was part of the bolt action alliance before it was a bolt action alliance uh, and then was when it was during the bolt action alliance, I know I got, uh, I took it personally um, and I would make people's lives miserable um, if I felt that they were maybe, pardon the terminology, taking the piss. Um, like I, I have my mother's zealotry um, in fairness, <laughs> and I don't. I'm not afraid to share it, um, and I have my heart on my sleeve. And look, I never meant to ruin anyone's day, but if if you feel like someone's somebody, you know, is taking a tough list, maybe you should try and have a, a conversation with them about maybe you know I wouldn't <laughs> enjoy facing that. 
Um, but honestly, as a human being, I would struggle to have that conversation um, and not come off as a jerk. Um, and it's something I've been working on. And one of the reasons, to be perfectly honest, I stopped playing in local events. Um, you know, I I had problems um, reconciling that behavior and my feelings uh, mm-hmm. about some people's lists. Um, and I just stopped. And I've really enjoyed playing friendly games. And I'm trying to play in an event in February of this year. And I'm hoping that maybe some of that changes. And I'm maybe part of the greater Bolt Action community again. Seamus, you, let me throw this back on you. Now that I've sort of unloaded all of this, and I'm sorry to make this an editorial, (laughs) but um, how do you, I kind of feel like I had to explain that because in all my years of podcasting, I hadn't actually done that. Um, Yeah. Seamus, how do you, um, how do you come to that? Um, How do you approach people who, maybe you look at their list and you say, Wow, I I don't I never want to see that on a table. Um, like how do, I mean you don't want to hurt the person's feelings. Um, I know some people right. approach it by shaking the person's hand and saying, you know, it's nice to meet you. I, I I'm sorry, I will not play that today. You win the game and then walk away. Um, now that is a very strong message. Um, I know yeah. that I've been tempted to do that in the past, and I've seen people do it. Um, I don't think that leaves the other person feeling very good. So I'm gonna stop talking no. and say. <laughs> how do you how how would you approach that well it, it it's like all things in life is you've got your viewpoint they've got their viewpoint and reality is somewhere in the middle mm. so i i sort of try and look at it it's like okay you know at first glance i look at this list and it may seem like this guy is going for the throat or this guy is clearly going for advantage but then I have to think, what is, you know, what is he thinking? You know, he's, he's spent time painting these miniatures. He's spent time assembling them. And, um, you know, especially if they've sent me a write-up for their force, they've spent time putting effort into that. Right. So you got to try and see their side of it. And then it's just like, hey, so I noticed you did this. And, you know, uh, sometimes in, in, the, in the greater community, people perceive this as being this sort of action. Is that what you're, is that what you're intending uh, you know, w- what are you going for with that and that kind of thing? You can try and talk them through it. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of a lot of my guys out here know that uh, I, I, I'm trying to go for fairness. It's not I'm not trying to rain on anybody's parade or anything like that. So, again, I've been really, really lucky with my group out here. But you just like I said, you have to take it cautiously and you have to think of it both in terms of the greater good and from both sides of the argument you don't always come up winning. So sometimes, sometimes people will get frustrated with you, but uh, if you've done your job right, they'll, they'll come back to you a couple of days later and say, yeah, you know, maybe I overreacted. Let's talk a little bit. Can I do this? Well, what do you think about this? Or what I was intending is this. And, you know, anytime it's ever come up, it's always ended well. And I think a lot of that has to do with the quality of players too. So, yeah. I mean, it also it also really does come down to how you as a tournament organizer or you as an opponent um, or just somebody's friend, how I guess you handle that situation about how the they that how they experience that conversation. Um, Right. I know a lot of local uh, Australia metas. I know Canberra and Sydney in particular. um, There's a lot of players who 
I don't want to. I don't want to use the word police because that's too strong a word, and that makes it sound yeah. like it's a bad situation. Um, and I know that some of the Scottish guys have heard our podcast in the past, for example, and said, that, "You know, that's not right. Don't say that." Um, and then mm-hmm. and they're right. I mean, that's not right. Um, but it's also the um, if somebody is you know really out of I don't want to say out of line because then of course then I'm 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 sounding like I'm vilifying someone or their list again <laughs> right? right um but i just want to say like it just there's the, a good natured um razzing about oh buddy you're taking that yeah. like and i think um uh, there's a certain way of doing that that actually really communicates to people oh maybe i'm i'm not doing the right thing here um or right. maybe this isn't going to give my opponent a good time um, playing against this. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, these are toy soldiers. And we want to go home yes. uh, or not go home. We want to go out and play with our friends or with people um, who have similar interests. And we want to have a good game. And we want to go home feeling like we had a chance um, mm-hmm. and that we weren't, you know, nuked off the table. Um, and conversely, as a player, uh, I hate the feeling if I nuke someone else off the table. Um yeah. Yeah. I actually feel on the rare occasion that I do win a game, I always feel dirty like, did I do something wrong? Did I do something yeah. gamey? You know? Yeah. But uh con- conversely, uh I don't know if I've told that story, but you know, I played I played at the Grand Tournament over in Michigan uh back in October. Uh and it was my first time out with my Italians. Uh and and ironically looking back, I got a rule wrong. So uh I, I kinda backed myself into a corner. But my third game of that, that tournament was like the worst trouncing I have ever had. Like every die roll failed me. Uh mm-hmm. everything was going against me, but you know, I roll those dice and I see all the ones or I was doing my you know, sixth order check and it's double sixes again. And, and there's that, the, that inclination. I wanted to get frustrated, but then I looked at, at my opponent who's staring at the dice and like, he looked like I, somebody had just kicked his dog. He was just like crestfallen. I was like, you know, I could get really bent out of shape about this because it's not going my way, but that's going to affect this guy. And this guy drove like 10 hours from Canada or something like that. Yeah. You know, so at the end of the day, he's a good guy. He shared his scotch with me. We're having a ball. It's right. a game. So, you know, it doesn't it doesn't work for either of us to get bent out of shape about it. So we'll just we'll crack on, have fun. And I'll embarrassingly write my big fat zero victory points on the sheet. And then, you know, we'll shake yeah. hands and have a good laugh. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't have said that better, man. That's I mean, that that's I mean. Having that conversation, um, you know, talking through things, making things a little lighthearted when things aren't going your way. I mean, it's tough when, I mean, Bolt Action's a game that is really brilliantly written. Um, very simple yes. to pick up, really hard to master, yes. but it's also one of those games, and I know that a couple of people have criticized it in the past, um, typically people who play other um, maybe historical games and say, oh, it's cinematic or it's swingy um, because of the way the dice mechanics work. And I, I think it just adds that that tension to the game that and it just makes it interesting. Um, I've yeah. been playing a lot of other game systems and um, you go, I go games just bore me to tears these days because 
you just you're like oh for the next 10 minutes i'm gonna sit here and pick my nose or you know check my phone or you know yeah try and make jokes and at least be you know be part of this somehow um i guess the the games that are you go i go by unit are more interesting or games that like like a Malifaux where you are going you go I go by unit but then you have the um the interaction between the players during the round yes um I mean those are it keeps it fresh keeps it interesting but bolt action have you, ever, you gotta keep your t- uh, sorry go ahead no I was gonna say have you ever played Infinity oh no but I hear it's the worst for it <laughs> no so I played it in in what I guess is their first edition of that game and you know I mean first of all you have to admit the models for that game are just incredible sculpts oh beautiful um I, I really liked the rule system and one of the cool things about it was it is a you go I go but every action that my unit takes your unit can do a reaction kind of similar to what you have in conflict 47 mm. and that it, it kept it as you go, I go enough that, um, you know, your average player can pick it up without it being too confusing, but at the same time kept each player feeling like they're a part of the game. That said, I, I personally felt there were just too many rules in there. Like, uh, I, I couldn't keep track of, you know, well, I'm going to do a, and you're going to do X in response. But since you're doing X, mm-hmm. I'm going to do Q in response to your X, but you're going to do L in response. And it just, they got too confusing, but um, uh, I did like that mechanic of keeping both players involved at the same time. Yeah, I think a good game, I, I think it's one of those uh, big rules of gaming that we're sort of, when we're talking about this golden age of gaming that so many people have learned from um, experience of you know games in the past, I think we're kind of past the you-go-I-go go in general. I mean, I know 40K still does it, Um and I know other games still do it, but I, I think the more games that are come out that don't do it, uh, I think we're just it's, I think mm-hmm. it's you go. I go is kind of passe because it, it just means that people aren't um, engaged. I mean, they it's easier to be bored. And um, with bolt action, especially having played a couple of back to back games on the weekend um, where I set up against people who are taking their armies that they were taking to Cancon, and we were playing missions mm-hmm. out of the t- out of um, the mission pack, and we were generally, you know, keeping it short and punchy, just like you, you know, playing like you would on the day. Um, it it was mesmerizingly uh intense i mean you just i could not take my eye away i was trying to send pictures to um friends or take pictures for the page and i couldn't even pull out my camera and take a happy snap without saying i'm sorry make you hold on for a second i need to take a picture of this Uh, because literally you didn't have a second to stop um and so you need to make sure that you know gone to the toilet before you played you had your drinks lined up (laughs) you're ready to go um and yeah it it, it's just one of the best parts of bolt action conflict 47 and i mean it really is kind of a hallmark of a lot of warlords games um in a really positive and awesome way that i love um yeah yeah and now i i did have a point where i was going with that and now we've talked about so many things that (laughs) um oh uh, i don't know i guess i'll sidestep into the next point on the old agenda um, and that was, uh, in playing those games on the weekend, um, I played, I was going to play my Italians. Um, I couldn't get them done quite enough um, to get them where I wanted to put them on the table. 
Um, mm-hmm. They were just chipped and beaten, and I wanted to make sure that they'd been resealed so they wouldn't get chipped worse. Uh, and so I pulled out my Chinese. Um, I have a beautifully painted Chinese army um, that Patch very graciously painted for me um, when I was doing my master's. And um, it's just one of the many bolt-action armies that I have that um, is is gorgeous and is ready to go and is built to a tournament standard and sits in a case. Um, and so I went, you know what? I haven't played that one in a while. Uh, I knew one of the guys who was going was going to be playing circa 1939 Poles. Um, and I was like, well, I haven't played the Chinese. They're early war. Um, let's tee this up. So I brought out my Chinese. Um, nothing in my list was heavier than... A light AT gun. Um, it was I had almost no HE, other than a medium mortar, uh, and it it literally uh, it was just a list of I I, don't, I had a T twenty six. Yeah, no, <laughs> uh, exactly, exactly. Um, so the Chinese forces in Shanghai in nineteen thirty seven, which my forces revolves around, um, were very mixed. They were forced, you know, there were soldiers from all kinds of places. Um, I had some inexperienced, I had some regular, and I had some veteran. Um, and I just, I, I've never played an all-veteran list I, I, that I can think of. Um, my auto-Sahariana will be all-veteran. And I think, given that I've played bolt action as long as I have, that's kind of weird that I'm coming to the party now um, and trying it out. But I don't feel bad about it, given that I have so many open-top vehicles that are going to get blown up. Um, but the Chinese, I mean, I was... You looked at my list and you made a comment online saying, uh, you know, it's because I, 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 I won my first game um, uh, by, you know, I, I just I, I happened to uh, against Lee Avery, um, who, you know, beats me probably more often than I beat him um, with his <laughs> beautifully painted late war British paratroopers. Um, it was his tournament list. He had his game face on and I won that game. And then I played against um pat aka muddy funster with his poles um and we drew um and to be honest he had me on the ropes for a good chunk of that game but um i still pulled the draw See, and, and and his list was another good example of uh being i don't know if aggressive is the right term but he, he certainly had an edge to his list but it wasn't a it wasn't stereotypical no and b it wasn't uh, it wasn't over the top, like your yeah. list. You know, you had a good mix of units mm-hmm. that were outside of the norm, and and it was enough to give you an edge. It it, it forced your opponent to think differently than they're used to. They yes. have to adapt to new tactics, and I think that's one of the most beautiful things. Yeah, I, I like that. I um, you know, where you take you take the meta and kind of throw it out the window and say, "Well, I'm going to do something different, and we'll see where yep. we end up." And it's not that I'm doing anything that, or that uh, Muddy's list, uh, which was um, four inexperienced, large inexperienced squads of guys, a couple of AT rifles that were regular. Um, he had a couple of light mortars, which I think might have been regular um he had some lancers he had officers uh and then he had two medium howitzers now two medium howitzers um muddy will tell you that they never hit and they didn't um they just don't that Mm -hmm. man can't hit but um (laughs) but that i mean the way his list was built it was it had redundancy and so in that way it was a little bit of a tournament list 
but it was very historically themed. It was historically themed down to, I think, a specific Polish unit. He knew what he was doing, um, and he played it beautifully. He clearly spent a, a long time thinking about what, you know, what that army would do on the tabletop. And I spent the entire time chewing my fingernails to the nub, um, sweating <laughs> my guts out because uh, just I hadn't played a list like that. And yeah. ooh, uh, it was it was a it was a fantastic game. Um, both of those games were amazing. I don't want to take anything away from my game with Lee either. Um, that was maybe one of the funnest games of bolt action I've played in a long time. And that's saying something given how much fun I normally play bolt action. Um, both of those games were fantastic. And it, it's just, um, but given Lee's list was of course, veteran paratroopers with a couple of Jeeps um, had a, had a Jeep towing um, an AT gun. I mean, also not your typical list, but in the fact that you had an all veteran infantry list, that had some punch and kick to it and had stubborn, like I'd played it before. I knew where I was going with that game. Pretty much I was playing the mission because I knew the army. With Muddy's list, I was I was I was like, oh, what am I doing for both? Um which is an interesting psychological point. I mean, if you want to do something interesting in bolt action, come up with an army list that people don't quite know what to do with, but synergizes yeah. well. Um, I'm going to stop talking. Yep. I have a point, but I also want you to have a chance and not me to talk. So, um, what do you think? Do you, do you agree? Do you have any examples of where you think that might be a good idea? No, it's, it's totally a good idea. I, I actually would respect a player more for taking a list that was different and had that, you know, uh, atypical selections, good synergy between the units and a solid battle plan going into the game. To me, that is more respectful than uh, four squads of eight false from Jaeger with Panzerfaust assault rifles and a Panzer IV. You right. know, that's that's typical. You know what that list can do. You know where it moves, how it moves, and everything like that. Whereas with, uh, like, Muddy's list, uh, even Lee's list is... Uh, a little atypical to what you see with your typical British paralysts, you know. There's, uh, he didn't take a tank, right? Nope. He had three squads yeah. on welly bikes. Oh, nice. Yeah. See, that's that's different. That that gives you know. You look at infantry and you say, well, they can move this far in a turn. They're going to have to move this way around terrain and things like that. But then suddenly you've got these guys mounted on well bikes and they move. Uh, a lot differently than than your 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 mind can comprehend at first, so it, it forces you to think from a different angle, and that that to me is creative and exciting. It is, and if you ever have the chance to see Lee's list, just quietly, if you're at CanCon this weekend and you happen to hear this before, then um, finally Avery find his army um, and look at it because he has modeled each well bike rider to match an infantryman. So he knows oh, wow. when a guy is killed on the bikes, he knows which infantry model to not put on the board when he switches them. Um, it's, it's impressive. It's awesome. It is that the amount of hobby that was put into that army is impressive. Um, yeah. And it, it, I, it's the only word I got for it. It's, it's fantastic. It's a beautiful army. Yeah. And the man has put so much time and uh, effort into that one force. 
Uh, and oh, man, those bikes aren't cheap either. He's oh, no. he's got three squads of ten or twelve of them or something. It's ridiculous. Anyway, um, oh. yeah. So uh, it, but by doing by bucking the trend, and I'm using the term meta all over the place tonight. Um, and I'm sorry if I'm doing that. Uh, I know it gets up some people's noses. But in in having that conversation, people know what I'm talking about. Um, taking the yep. the things, the Panzer IV, the things that people expect to see on a table. Um, a couple of years ago, I went to CanCon. Um, I took I took British. Uh, the long and the short of it was, I took a mixed ability group. Um, most sorry, mixed veterancy. Um, most of my force was just regular riflemen. Um, I had. One tank, I took a Lee, um, and I took nice. three armored Indian carriers, um, which <laughs> are... that list. Yeah, and people looked at that list, and they didn't quite know what to do with it. Because it was version one, you had to have squads in them to shoot the guns, and I had two light machine yep. guns in each. Um, it's basically a universal carrier with wheels. Um, and so I had five-man regular squads in them just to man them to drive them around, um, and everything else was um, basic riflemen um, and a few support teams and things like that. It wasn't anything right. that was kick your face in. Um, and um, I ended up winning CanCon that year. Um, but I think that I don't think that necessarily came down to I think it came down to a little bit of luck. It came down to I knew my army. Um but I think it largely came down to a lot of people didn't know what to do when they saw that across the table. <laughs> right. Um, Brian right. Cook um, did very well at CanCon last year um, with a half-track list. Um, now, yes. interestingly, I was talking with Pete West, um, and he was saying that um, 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 half-tracks half are apparently um, a thing. Um, he said it was just an interesting awesome. thing he noticed that uh, just like it's, you know, the, the we've always talked about how we'd like to see more fa- uh, half tracks and events. Well, now we see them. Bingo. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know if Brian's the response, you know, is responsible for that trend. Um, I'd like to think he is. Um, but I, really, I mean, taking the time and pouring through the books and coming up with something not that breaks the game or will ruin my opponent, but you know, forces somebody to really rethink the way they play the game or how they how they face, a, you know, get, making your opponent unsure, making sure that they have yeah. to make hard decisions um, and they can't, you know, it really backs foot, backfoots somebody. Um, and yeah. in a game like Bolt Action, they can be, you know, not so forgiving if you start, you know, sliding backwards, um, you know, in your order dice. Uh, or in a mission, well, that's a pretty good thing if you if you want to play competitively. Um, and it's not yeah. that you want to have a force that's going to be the standard punch your opponent's face in, you know, uh, what, two heavy howitzers and a medium howitzer. I played that at a tournament, and that stunk. Yeah. But I made sure my opponent didn't win that game. Um, <laughs> and But by f- doing something that was a little left of center... You, yeah, you get it a better. I think, you, yeah, a it keeps it fresh, and b I think it, a it gives your opponent a better time, uh, and b it, uh, it just it, it expand it, it helps the game to grow, and it helps. Yes, it's it's interesting for everyone. 
Um, no one's bored. No one's having a bad time, at least in my opinion. I don't know. Go ahead, right. Seamus. I'm going to stop talking now. No, and then uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see uh, one, of, one of the lists that intrigues me a lot is uh, uh, Paul McFarlane's uh, Gebrechtsjäger list. Uh, you know, he's got his, his theme done, um, the Norway campaign in 1940. Uh, and he's got a Neubaufurtzeug, which to me means he's automatically going to win CanCon because <laughs> it's the mightiest tank in the German arsenal. But, right, you know, th- that's that's neat because you see this big beast of a tank on the table, but then uh, you realize it's it, it's really pretty naff uh, in, in, in game terms. So that'll be cool. Uh, you know, Patches... Uh, mustachioed uh french line you know one one table edge to the other that's going to mm-hmm. be great to see um you know amp coming out of retirement and uh rolling some americans i, I can't wait to see what he does so yeah dude, definitely. it's it's just it's just neat to see the variation in lists you know like, like i said i i think uh th- this is kind of an interesting turning point with bolt action too because you have a lot of us who've been playing you know i i was one of the people that pre-ordered the book when it first came up for sale so i've been playing mm-hmm. since it like was first launched um and i co- i go through phases with different kinds of armies you know like uh, uh i'm trying to phase out all of my veteran armies because um being time poor i always started with veteran armies because there's less models to paint and you can get to playable quicker mm-hmm. but it's just I hit a point where I'm so bored seeing veteran armies all the time. And, you know, for newer players coming into the game, you know, they're flipping through the books, they read the rules, they look at the unit stats and they say, well, why wouldn't you take veterans? So you see a lot of players start with that. And then you see all the people who've been in for years are starting to transition to different force organizations to kind of change things up. Um, And then, you know, uh, to, to further make that and and <laughs> i say it a lot but mark barber and the books that he's written you know uh the yeah. battle of the bulls the new guinea book you know we've got uh battle of france is coming out later this year just the way he takes uh different viewpoints and gives you new options for things like that it's just it's great to see everything sort of diversify while at the same time you still have that uh, stereotypical base to look at. So Agreed. I don't know. No, man, it's, I, it's I, fascinating time. <laughs> it is. It is a really interesting time for the game. Um, now you did say something in there and I know I've been reading it on a lot of forums and I'm going to be a little picky. Sorry. Um, I, I guess I'm on the soapbox today. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I know I have a lot of friends from other game systems who have been looking at bolt action um, and looking at Conflict 47, and uh, quite a few of them, as you were saying a second ago, were looking at forces, and they were just going, oh, U.S. paratroopers, or, oh, uh, you know, Falschmager, or British paratroopers, or for some reason a lot of people love paratroopers. I think Band of Brothers really has a lot to answer for in bolt action. Yes. Um Band, but, of, Band of Brothers and A Bridge Too Far, I think, are yes. almost wholly responsible for that. Yeah, exactly. But, if I mean, I don't, I know that people who have been playing in a lot of events are maybe, I mean, you sound like it for sure, um, but I know a lot of people are overplaying veteran lists. 
Um, maybe I haven't been playing in them. Um, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with playing a vet list, especially if you're new to the game. It's a great way to learn. It, it tends yeah, to be more forgiving. It is. Um, but I don't think it's easy mode. Um, I know that in the past I've thrown around the term easy mode, uh, tongue-in-cheeky, uh, and I've had some people come at me and say, look, I don't know if I agree with that fully. Um, look, in bolt action... You can take a list, my Chinese list, very, very, uh, if you looked at it on a power scale, very low on the power scale. Uh, right. And I, I, held my, I held my own. I, I won a game and drew a game. You, with bolt action, you can take uh, whatever list you think you definitely can't win with, and you can win with it. Um, yes, some nations have slightly better national rules. Um, I, I don't think you can argue that the Finns and the Americans, possibly the Soviets don't have great national rules. They do. Um, but you can take, for example, um, the Italians and win games. Uh, and I don't mean like, oh, you can win a game, smile, wink, (laughs) gleam off the teeth, uh, once in a, a millennium. No, uh, Lachlan McKenzie, the mouth of madness, uh, from this, or not from this podcast, from the old LRDG podcast, he won with his Italians more than he lost, and he won a right. lot. Um, you, If you know your army, and you know where you're going, and you're playing the mission, any army in bolt action wins. And I think yep. that's the thing you got to remember when you're listing. It's it's not, ooh, I need to take the toys in order to to, to get where I need to go. No, take a well-structured list. It'll get you there. Um, and there's just so many, uh, as you were saying with Mark Barber uh, and some of the new books that are coming out, having new army lists in them. I mean, we've gotten, I know I talk about the Chinese quite a bit, um, but the Chinese were added to the game. Um, we have um, Panzer Brigade 150 that was added in Battle of the Bulge. We have the Free French yes. list added in that list as well. Um, we have the new Warsaw Uprising re- list in the most recent, in the Berlin book. Um, we're about to have even more lists in the books that are coming out next year. As these armies come out and we get more and more armies, um, it's nice to see a game that doesn't have codex creep, um, and yet the yes. new lists that are coming out uh, are competitive. Um, you're not going to say, oh, I'm not going to play that list. I know a few people say, oh, the what is it, the Norwegians, you can't win a game. Um but I know a guy who's they played should, Norwegians. They should talk to Bob Emerson if yeah. they think the Norwegians can't win games. It's all in the player. It's all in the player. Yeah. And I, I think that really does... Uh, I, I think we just got to remember that. Like, Just play to have fun. Find something you're interested in and have some fun with it. Anyway, I'm going to get off the soapbox. And I want to... <laughs> I'm going to get to... I, I, Sorry, go ahead. I do want to make a counterpoint to that. So for for all of my proselytizing about veteran armies you know i did have one player drop out for my event on saturday so now i'm i'm working on a gumby list and the two forces that i actually have painted sadly are only falstrom jaeger and commandos both veteran lists that said uh i don't i'm I'm sure people are probably tired of me saying it by now but both of those lists are all infantry I've got uh, smaller artillery pieces, but I don't have tanks. I don't have armored cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have big HE or anything like that. It's it's just a small force of infantry, which um, unf- they're 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 really difficult to use. I don't I don't win with them often, but they are fun to play. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, even, even with a veteran force, you can do it in a way that's not typical and does give your opponent a little bit to think about, but, uh, you know, st- still, still hold true to that idea of what you're trying to do. Yeah. I mean, Lee's paratroopers with their well, well bikes and everything else that he's put into that army is a clear example of that. So yeah. Yeah. Somebody 100%. take pictures of that. I want to see that. That looks, that sounds awesome. Oh, it's so good. Okay, now I did I did mention theater books and campaign books a second ago, and I do want to go into this. Now, we are in the beginning of a new year. As you were saying, it is an exciting time for Bolt Action. Um, it is 2018. Uh, let's think back to the theater books and the campaign books that Warlord's been making. Now, I'm going to be a little unfair, Seamus, and throw this <laughs> on you um, with no prior warning. Um, just off your, off the top of your head, um, maybe what are some of the campaign or theater books that you have really enjoyed? Um, and maybe what, what's the thing you are most looking forward to in the year to come? Um, just to give you a second to think about that. Um, I am going to quickly say that my favorite book that came out, um, of the campaign or theater books, uh, run um once we got past the army books i loved empire and flames i loved it i loved it i loved it it's by far uh, of all of the books in that series the one with the most earmarked edges that said i think edging it out um battle of the bulge is such a good book um the missions are great the quality of the the just the the writing uh the pictures the diagrams for missions, the fact that, you know, the new units in it are fantastic. They're not game breaking uh, and they're but they really add some interesting dynamics to the rules. Plus two new army lists. Man, I just I can't go past that book. I love it. Um, how about you? Yes. Uh, well, <laughs> all bias aside, because obviously I'm biased, but all bias aside, I really think uh, New Guinea is is my favorite so far of course uh a lot of it well i mean seriously all bias aside because you know we've talked about this on other episodes and other casts and stuff is as an american i had no idea what the new guinea campaign was and then you know brian's paint brian and patch are painting these amazing miniatures and it's like all right i'll google this Mm -hmm. and then you go down this rabbit hole and it's this fascinating learning experience you know oh yeah uh so one of the one of the things that's really crazy about these campaign books and theater books and i don't know if a lot of people realize it but warlord actually contracts individual authors on these books and the authors don't know who's working on other books and what books they are working on so you know like someone will say well i picked up the d-day to berlin book and then i have uh front and there's you know there's a disjointed uh, rules between the two they kind of overlap or they're conflicting or things like that and a lot of that is because unfortunately the authors are are sort of operating in a vacuum so when you do have a book that's as well written as battle of the bulge or uh new guinea and and again everybody's going to have their personal uh, preferences for Mm -hmm. each of these books you know when it is written in that individual vacuum and it does turn out that good to me that is is uh uh an amazing accomplishment both for the author and for the game in in general so um 
yeah, I'm, I'm obviously pretty pretty keen on uh, New Guinea because I grew up reading about Northwest Europe, and you know, if he'd asked me four years ago to name uh, any battles in the Pacific, I could have named like Guadalcanal and Iwo Jima, and that would have been it. You know, very. Mm-hmm. Very American point of view, and even within that bucket, very limited point of view. So these other campaigns, like Empire in Flames, is a really good one. There's a lot of stuff in there that I didn't know. Um, uh, the uh, Empires of the uh, uh, Duel in the Sun, mm-hmm. that one was a really good one. A lot of stuff you didn't learn in there. I like that one because it gave uh, it gave you the ability to do an Indian army. Uh, which is cool to me because, um, especially in the northern desert, um, the the India allocated the most men of any Commonwealth nation to the war effort. I believe it is. That's right. You know, if somebody, I may have that that wrong, but I believe that's what it is. And that no, was I, I've heard that as well. That. I, I agree. Yeah. yeah. And uh, one of the neat things about that, you know, I've got a, a pile of stuff to paint with that is, you know, everybody wants to say I'm running an Indian division and they all have to be Sikhs. Well, Sikhs is actually a, a percentage of mm-hmm. Indian divisions. So, um, yeah, my, my favorite is, is, is New Guinea. Uh, I do know there are some books coming out that will uh, compete for that. Um, I, I like that uh, some lesser known campaigns are going to get attention which is which is great, uh, both from a learning perspective, you know, especially as we see younger players coming in who maybe haven't learned about some of these operations in school or things like that. Getting to learn about them is fascinating, but then also because it's different for the game. I feel like I'm beating that that drum a lot tonight, but uh, you know, some of the forthcoming books I think are going to be really exciting. Agreed. Um, well, let's let's talk about the things that have been announced. So we have Market yes. Garden, um, we have the Battle for France, um, we have a desert book, and I know there's a fourth one that's been announced. Maybe not. Maybe the three. I know that yeah. um, Pete West posted, and again, Peter West is the the man of the hour as far as <laughs> yes. what's coming and what's not. The man knows all. Um, I, he's. I think he said there were four books in 2018. Um, I can only think of yeah. those three, and I know the internet is screaming at me right now as I'm saying that. Sorry, guys. Um, but the one that I'm most looking forward to, out of those three anyway, um, and I, I Market Garden, I'm excited to read. Um, I think there's going to be some great stuff in there. Of course, I love the film, um, and I've done a lot of reading about that particular time period. I love it. Yeah. And uh, Battle of France, there's going to be some great stuff in there. Um, I know it's going to make yes. Patch and Brian really happy and all the French players, and that will be better for my, you know, the local the local scene. There'll be a lot of people playing French, and that will, you know, just reinvigorate everything. But, man, I love me some Desert War. And um, with yes. that book coming out, we're going to see... Um, They're doing El Alamein, right? Yes. I believe it is focused on LMI. Yeah, because Harry Turner is really excited about that. He is. Um, and there's going to be, so there's going to be, but it's not just the first battle of El Alamein. It's like the, there were several battles. And the last one, of right. course, was the, and we'll also talk about that on a future cast ice, is the Italian pa- paratroopers holding off, you know, British tanks with, you know, in the sand with sticks and grenades and because yes, they were out of to bullets. The last bullet. Oh. Yes. yes that's right oh god man and there's just so many excellent i mean it's been said that the desert war was the gentleman's war 
Um, and you know, it was a, it was like fighting on the moon. Um, I've heard yeah. that because, you know, it was so hostile to human life that, um, you know, they would kind of help each other out, um, sometimes between battles because otherwise everyone would die. Um, yeah. And, and that's just, it's, it's so interesting. It is a complete anathema to the way that, um, we think about combat, um, especially in, in the realm of total war, um, which is yeah. what world war two kind of brought to us um globally one of the other neat things though about the the desert war is that it brings in almost all of the forces you know you can have british but within british you can also have australians new zealanders indians mm-hmm. uh you can have americans uh you can have uh french on both sides of the conflict that's the, right the mighty Italians that defeat everybody and, and, you know, all these other options that, that, uh, you don't get with other theaters. That's right. And a, and That's a lesser, and there's a, and there's a lesser known force that you may not have heard of in world war two, um, led by a guy. Oh, what was he called? Rommel? Um, uh, no, uh, I, I don't know. Him. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, anyway. Um, <laughs> sorry. He was the it. one that said that North Africa was, uh, the perfect place because it allowed for open warfare with, without risk of collateral damage. Yes. Something to that effect. I know, I know the historians out there are going to, uh, vilify me for horribly misquoting that, but it was an interesting concept. It was, it was just wide open, totally, uh, different tactics than you would have in Europe and things like that. It's really cool. Yeah, exactly. I'm really looking forward to see what we get in that book. Um, New selectors to give us perhaps new armies. Um, Of course, I'm, I'm hoping and praying for an auto Sahariana um, selector that will allow me to run an Italian list that in the manner that kind of matches the LRDG selector in the British book. Um, Yeah. Of course, that's just me wishlisting. Um, you know, there's there's just so many excellent aspects to uh, the the Desert War and the Mediterranean um, that just haven't been touched yet. I mean, people yep. uh, people said, uh, and I remember the first generation of bolt action podcasters and players saying, "Oh, you know, we got the army list so thick and fast. All the army books came out within months of one another. Like every couple of months, you were getting a new one. You barely had time to get your head around a book before the next one was on you, and the next one was on mm-hmm. you, and the next one was on you. And once it was out, everyone's like, well, that's the end. Um, you know, be the game's going to die. It's been a couple of... Um, yeah, exactly. You're chuckling in the background. Um, it, yeah. you know, we've, it's been a good run, but now people are going to get bored and move on with their lives. And some people did. Um, but they were the people who needed that, um, who needed yeah. those constant army that army lists to come out. Um, but the game has evolved and the, uh, with the second edition of the game, um, I mean, it has evolved even further, and w- yeah. this community's out there, and there's so much historically that we haven't touched on uh, in World War II, and Warlord keeps giving us more, and I'm really excited about mm-hmm. that. Um, and I know some people are like, oh, we already had a desert book. Well, there's so much more to the desert book, and with the campaign mm-hmm. books, we're really narrowing it down. Um, and I'm just excited that, you know, as you say, those lesser conflicts um, or the ones that are less famous, um, maybe to American eyes um, or, you know, British eyes, um, me living in a Commonwealth country, 
uh, <laughs> you know, will be, you know, will reveal themselves to us. Um, right. And I'm just excited about that. I just think that the game has so much more to offer and it will continue to do so. Um, and Warlord yeah. can, is is promising they'll do keep going and man, they they follow through on that promise. Um, we constantly yeah. see new kits. We constantly see new books. Um, I, it's just a really exciting time. I mean, to, to play the game, I, but really going back, has there been a bad time to play bolt action? Mm, not sure. Um, yeah, so- I, I was actually thinking about that the other day. If, uh, you remember back to the early days, you know, we had, um, all the, all the armies at, at one point were metal, right? There was, oh, yeah. uh, you know, the plastic German infantry was like, uh, a ray of sunshine at the time. Uh, you know, I know Patch in particular was very excited for plastic Germans. <laughs> sarcasm, complete sarcasm. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, at, at one time there weren't even uh, models for all the forces and what models there were were uh, metal. And looking back at some of those sculpts, some of them haven't held up as well. Uh, yeah. Dot, dot, dot. But, you know, now uh, the the rate that they're cranking out plastic infantry uh, and some of those sculpts are just astounding. Uh, it, it's amazing how much it's developed just in that couple of years. So I, I'm really excited to see where they go. I dream of plastic French infantry. I think that's going to be great. <laughs> right on. Um, <laughs> I well, I was listening to and but so I was listening to John Russell, who um, is uh, in Warlord in the U.S. Um, and he yes. was on a podcast. Um, I believe it was the No Dice, No Glory podcast. Uh, and he was yeah. talking about um, different things that are coming up in Warlord and that he's excited about. Um, and he was talking about how Warlord is taking its American kit and they are going to update it um, in in the future. Uh, and he was yeah. talking about how in one kit you are going to be able to create... Um, a unit that can be used for the desert, that can be used for mid-war, for late war, um, all the way up through Berlin, um, and then you can also use it for K-47. But more yes. than that, it also works for the Korean War, and Korean Warlord's war, talking yeah. about um, putting out a set of rules for um, the Korean conflict. So yes. um, much in the way that there has been like a theater book that has maybe 20 scenarios in it, Maybe that kind of situation for bolt action, where you'll get a a book that may have a couple of army lists and a series of um, missions um, that sort of lay out the the Korean War. I'm super excited yeah. about that. Yes, but I mean, just to take the old plastics offline and to bring in these new ones with with so much more variability and um, you know options within them. It's really exciting. I mean, it just it shows how Warlord has evolved um, the miniatures and the game. Uh, sorry, the miniatures along with the game over time. Right. Um, right. And I mean, we we can all kind of remember the early 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 days of Bolt Action, um, where some of the vehicles, you know, they were all right. Um, but compare them to the the stuff that Warlord's been doing for like three or four years now, where you have yeah. crystal clear casting on vehicles you yeah. can almost cut your it's finger on the edge better. on yep. some of them um i had a friend who came over from malifaux um uh, just recently he's painting a fin force hey pip if you're listening um 
And he was talking about how well cast the vehicles were. He couldn't believe it. He's like, how are these resin vehicles so clean? And you go, well, that's just Warlord. It's what you expect. Yeah. Um, and Warlord's not alone. I mean, so many other country, uh, sorry, companies do that. Um, but yes. yeah. Anyway, I, I guess I'm just really excited about where the game's I think going. Didn't, didn't they say something about World War One uh, as as a potential growth area too? I know that's as, as, that's of course been a rumor on on forums and. Uh, public places for years now you know like the uh plastic mm-hmm. italians that are coming soon for four <laughs> years now yeah uh i know they've talked about doing world war one uh was did, didn't he mention something about that too he did I, he, I, he said that warlord yeah. is definitely putting out a set of world war one rules um it it will be more of i guess it's i don't think it'll be more of a campaign book i think um i you will need the basic bolt action rules but uh, it will be a PDF, I believe, something like a hundred-page mm, PDF. Uh, yeah. And Warlord does the tanks. Um, it would be interesting to see what they do with the miniatures, um, given yes. that I've heard a few things about what's coming out for World War II in the next year or two. Um, they have a lot of stuff planned. Um, it would be interesting to see how deep they go on World War One if they do put this PDF out. Yeah. Um, but man, whatever they're doing, I'm excited for it. Um, yeah. One of the things that'll be neat to see if they do World War One is to really break that mentality that all of World War One was just trench warfare. Totally. You know, that's that's the first image most people think of when they think of the the Great War. So it'd be nice to get a different viewpoint. Uh, like I don't I don't know if you've ever read um, uh, Rommel's uh, attacks. It's I his have... experience as a lieutenant in World War One, mm. commanding uh, infantry. I have not. And, so, what is it sort of detail? It's it's basically it's him writing about his experiences in the First World War, and then like at the end of each section, he uh, sort of goes over the tactics that he used, what he could have done differently, and what was a mistake. And I think it might have been used as like a training document after the war. Uh, I could be wrong on that, but uh, what's really neat about it is that it's like you know they're they're fighting over villages, they're fighting their way through forests, and not a single mention of trenches. It's uh, a lot of it is similar to what you see in 1940 as as Germany goes back into France. So it, it's really cool to see a period writing that totally upends a lot of what your common concept of that that era was. Yeah, man, definitely. Uh, I I'll be honest. World War One is something that I know very little about. Same. Um, yeah. Yeah. It. I, I didn't learn much about it in school, and um, though my dad's a history <laughs> professor, we spent a lot of time talking about World War Two. Um, mainly because yeah. I grew up in Japan and traveling throughout Asia. So. Right. Um, yeah. World War One so, not and, really talked about there. Um, yeah. As much. I, I, yeah. I, one thing that excites me, and and I know you know we're talking mostly uh, Warlord and bolt action games, but uh, uh, Battlefront is redoing, uh, sort of revising their Vietnam rules. I'm I'm pretty keen on that. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see. I know there's there's a Facebook group for bolt action Vietnam. There is uh, kind of kind of like a homegrown rule set for that. Mm-hmm. I know uh, Warlord at least is aware. Uh, that there's an interest in the period. It's it's small, obviously. It's much smaller than what they're working on now. But uh, that that to me would be another fascinating era to see. 
I would love, I would love to to get that under or to to play that. Just, um, I, I think it would be smaller, probably smaller scale. Um, given that everyone would be carrying around automatic weapons and right. so much HE and whatever else. Um, but I think yeah. you could do some really interesting rules with um, small units. Um, I'm Yes, I know I'm going to be stereotypical um, where you have, you know, the bush. And when I'm talking about the bush, I mean jungle and people, you know, squads moving through it and infiltrators and hidden troops and snipers and trying to achieve missions and... I think there would be, you could write so many interesting missions for that. I know I've sat down and jotted some stuff down um, from time to time. But I also know there was some major conflicts as well that were just open battlefields. Um, I know that one of my favorite painting movies on the school holidays is Green Berets and, you know, Platoon. And you have all those big epic Vietnam battles. Man, I'd love a rule set that would do that. And I would also love one that would be smaller. And God, I think bolt action would just lend itself to that perfectly given the mechanics. Because that's the one thing that you and I need is more eras for more games, right? What do you mean? I don't have I don't have any games or miniatures <laughs> I need to paint right now. What are you talking about? Right. right. The 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 proverbial lead mountain. <sighs> yeah. Smog. Let, let, let me add some Yep. Exactly. That's a that's a great way to describe it, actually. <sighs> yeah, me sitting there on top of my mountain of lead, um, you know throwing things at hobbits you know they, 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 yeah. yes yeah yes anyway. yes oh god there's so many good things coming up and um it it is just a great time to play and it was really nice to sit down and play straight you know and it, it sounds weird saying like plain jane bolt action um like that's a bad thing um just to play regular bolt action again was fantastic yeah um because yeah and i did it's just it's such a good game anyway moving on um, yeah, I've got a. There's a potential I'll have to play a Gumby list this weekend, and part of me is like, well, you know, I'm running things, I don't want to play as well. But there's also that part of me that says, it's been like a month since I played last. Yeah. It'd be kind of cool to get some dice on the table. Yeah, man, totally. You got you know, that little kid in your head goes, yes. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. Right on, man. Um, well, I I think I've pretty much hit all the bullets on on the on the hit list for this conversation today. Yes. Um, anything else you want to talk about, sort of where the game is going or where things are going or anything in general? Um, it is awesome having you on. Um, I know I'm giving you a second to think through. Is there anything that you want to talk about before we roll out tonight? No, I it, like kind of like we touched on earlier, you know, we've got seasoned veterans who've been playing the game for a couple of years and we also have a lot of new folks coming in. So uh, the the only thing I, I want to stress is, you know, just remember everybody's got a different perspective and a different viewpoint. So uh, be respectful because we're all here to have fun and, and that's that's what it's all about. So yeah. roll on. Wise words, my friend, wise words. Um, <laughs> if you agree or disagree with anything that we've said this evening, um, given that the soapbox may have been out once or twice, um, you can <laughs> you can contact us at, uh, if you go to Facebook and you search up Cast Dice, that's C-A-S-T, uh, Dice, uh, you will find a page called The Land O Misfit Toys slash The Home of the Cast Dice Podcast. Uh, if you message that page, that is this, that is us. Hi. Um, we love hearing, I, I 
really appreciate the folks who have been I've had a few people sending me painting uh, color questions recently. Um, <laughs> uniforms aren't my strong point, guys. Uh, however, <laughs> uh, it's just been really cool to do a little research because it's really forced me out of my comfort zone to do some, you know, do a little bit of research and to look up some colors and, you know, to try and match things up. And that was it was awesome. Um, and that's the kind of thing I get really excited about when. You know, folks say, hey, what do you think about this list? Or, um, hey, I've really been thinking about this a lot recently. Um, what do you think about that? Uh, or I really disagree with what you said on this podcast, and here's why. Um, and I, it, it just it makes for interesting conversation. And I think that um, the Bolt Action community is fantastic. And I'm just, um, I guess I'm just glad to be a part of it. Um, yes. So look for some pretty things that will be happening uh, as the year progresses. Uh, there's just a, a few things up the sleeve that uh, I hope that you as a listener will enjoy. Uh, and thank you very much for joining us this evening. Uh, I know there's a lot of great podcasts out there, and I'm glad you took the time to download slash upload slash listen to this one. Uh, this is Old Man Morin saying, have a good night. And that's right.